folks welcome back to another episode of triple g ginger's gridiron and golf podcast i am your host stephen kerr aka the ginger and i am back for another week and we've got an amazing guest on and we're flipping the script on you just when you thought you knew what was happening week to week on triple g this is a gridiron and golf podcast so we're flipping the script and we're covering the golf side of things first uh we've got jason sobel on um from series xm satellite radio covering the pga tour so he's going to be with us shortly here but uh what a night as we record here on uh, tuesday november the 9th excited we've also got college football or college basketball starting uh, up tonight it is back so my head is spinning amongst college basketball, um, college football, NFL, PGA Tour golf, and all the golf world. Um, I don't know what the hell to watch and what the hell to follow, but uh, I'm excited and I absolutely love this time of year uh, when college basketball starts up and we got college football. Speaking of which, we are teen minus a month away from uh, a personal trip that I'm going on. Um, obviously fingers crossed and knock on wood on my desk here as I record. We've got uh, Thursday night, December 9th. We're seeing the Pittsburgh Steelers at the uh, the Minnesota Vikings. And then uh, we're hoping to see Ohio State host the Wisconsin Badgers in college basketball on Saturday, 11th, Saturday December the 11th in Columbus on the Ohio State campus. And then Sunday the 12th, the San Francisco 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, traveling up to uh, the hills of Ohio on the border of uh, Ohio and Kentucky in Cincinnati and to see the Bengals and the 49ers visit Zach Taylor up there in Cincinnati. So hopefully uh, everything works out well health-wise and COVID-wise and um, we stick with the current restrictions at the border and uh, hopefully things ease up on the Canadian side a little bit as well make it uh, travel a little bit easier and a little less costly but excited for that trip coming up we will still have a podcast that's week that week and we'll take you right through like we said all the way up until uh, just before Christmas time here on uh, Triple G so we are super excited super excited about our guest tonight excited about to cover week nine, uh, week 9 football look ahead to week 10 after the break we'll get into that football side but let's get into it right now in the golf world we're going to be covering all of the golf world but uh, specifically a couple things with Jason here let's welcome him in all right listeners let's welcome to the show for the first time golf writer for at action network co-host of the links and locks podcast and the host at Sirius XM PGA tour Jason Sobel Jason uh, welcome to the show Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, it's great to have you. Great to chat with you. And I know we were talking off air there. The the weather's a little cool in Orlando down there, but uh, you're respectful for all the, uh, you know, those Eastern Seaborn golfers and, and us Canadian golfers where the golf courses are, are closing down for the year and you guys will be able to, to keep playing. So, yeah, this is the time of year to be here in Florida the next few months. Uh, 
Look, I, I, I'm jealous of you guys during the summer when it's beautiful up there and we've got it 110 degrees in the heat here, which is uh, – it, it's pretty uh, awful to be playing golf in. But, yeah, this, this time of year I wouldn't want to switch. I'll tell you yeah. that much. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. We'll, with the borders opening up, we'll have uh, some snowbirds coming down your way, no doubt. Yeah, Jason, yep. Jason let's get right into it here. Um, as we flip over here uh, from the 2021 portion of this 21 or 2021-22 schedule on the PGA Tour, we're going to have some rule changes um, come the new year. What are your thoughts on the rule changes? What do you, how do you think it'll affect certain players? Do you think more, some players will be more affected than others? And what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I guess we're talking mostly about the green books, right? And yeah, the green not books. Not being yeah. able to use those. I, you know, I, I think that maybe right at the beginning, it could have a little bit of an adverse effect on some of the more analytical players. You know, certainly Bryson DeChambeau comes to mind. He uh, has relied on those books over the years. But quite frankly, these guys all know how to read greens. They've got a caddy standing right next to them if they're not sure of a read and they need a little help on things. So I don't think that we're going to see anything over the course of the next year where we go, boy, this guy was third on the PGA Tour in putting and then he dropped to 193rd just because uh, he wouldn't have a book with him and he's not able to uh, to go by what he's uh, looking at in, on the on the pages as opposed to what he sees on the green. So I again, I, I just don't think it's going to change things very much, quite honestly. Yeah, you think you know whoever's uh, whoever was was there is going to continue to be there, and you know, like you said, there's not going to be a whole lot of shuffling or movement in terms of uh, that. That makes total sense. We had a big announcement over the last ten days here in terms of golf. Um, we finally, you know, we hear about the Premier Golf League and and all the talk with Phil and Rory and and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden, um, it doesn't have an official name yet, but we'll call it the you know the Live Golf Investments. Um, this you know eight to twelve event um, thing that they're planning here with Greg Norman kind of leading the way. Do you think this thing's going to be able to get off the ground? And and I know you really thought that they had a kind of poker chip in their hand in terms of offering some uh, world golf ranking points with the, with the Asian tour and coexisting there. Do you think this thing's going to be able to go? And, and what are your thoughts in terms of a competing golf league to the PGA tour? Yeah. So first of all, you're right. Uh, that was my main problem. And that I thought was the biggest sticking point for the previous iterations of these sort of super leagues and trying to put together some sort of world tour was the fact that, they didn't have any world ranking points. And quite frankly, if you're a player, if you're, oh, I don't know, pick out a guy who hasn't won a major championship yet, because the guys who have won majors, at least they're exempt into the major championships for a little bit. A guy like Dustin Johnson can go back to the Masters every single year. It doesn't matter where he's playing or uh, what tour he's playing on. But let's take Xander Shoffley. A uh, good example, a top 10 player in the world, one of the best, certainly wants to go out there and win major championships, I would think. Now, Xander, without having those world ranking points, without being able to play on a tour that gives out world ranking points, in a few years, he's going to be outside the top 50. He's not going to be able to qualify for the major championships. And I think when you take away that potential carrot, if you're telling a guy, hey, you have a chance to make twice, three times, maybe four times more than you're making right now. You're throwing great gobs of money at him, but you're taking away a potential legacy. You're saying, essentially, if you don't do it in the next year or two, you're probably never going to win a Masters. You're probably never going to win a U.S. Open because uh, 
you're not going to qualify for them. Okay, U.S. Open, Open Championship, you can play in a qualifier. It's, there's just a lot of stuff that you don't get with being a top 50 player in the world. And, and quite frankly, without that ranking, that's what would happen. So uh, they've solved that problem. They have come to a partnership with the Asian Tour where uh, essentially the strength of field will determine how many ranking points they get. So at least these guys can accumulate some ranking points and they're going to be able to play in majors. That's of course, that's the, that's the big name players. And, and I assume that they want to go after a few big name players. I don't think they're doing all this to say, Hey, let's get some, you know, just a few older guys and some journeymen and let's just start a tour and see what happens. I assume that they want to make a big splash with this thing and try to get some name players. I, I've heard, rumors i've heard gossip that uh some fairly big name players will be involved in this I, i'm very anxious to see what this thing is going to look like i i think that boy you're you're taking a blind leap of faith if you're a world-class player who says you know what i'm going to leave the pga tour i'm going to take this money i'm going to play a dozen times around the world for live golf investments and see how that goes i i just don't know that i would advise that but who knows? I, they certainly have more information than I have on it right now. And having Greg Norman and having a few of the people that I know that are working behind the scenes on it, uh, that's going to help them immensely. So uh, at least there are some names. There's some uh, there's some leverage behind it a little bit. So I, I do think that it'll get off the ground. I mean, what they're planning it, at some point should happen. They're going to get players. Are they going to be the best of the best of the best? That remains to be seen. I think we're going to find out pretty soon. I think we're going to find out at some point in the next three or four weeks, uh, at least some of those names. But again, I, I am very intrigued by what might happen, how it's going to go down, what it means going forward. I, I honestly don't have a great idea of what it's going to look like. And I'm quite honestly not sure that they have a great idea of what's going to look yeah. like right now. I think they're trying to see what's going to work and what's not going to work and go from there. Yeah. Does this, does this officially squash this the whole Premier Golf League idea? Like if this thing gets going, we can't it's saturate that that golf market to the to the viewership and and the golf nut as much as you know. We all love golf and we all want to take in as much golf as possible. You know, you're just cannibalizing your own your own product, are you not there? So that kind of squashes that idea, no? Yeah, I, I think it it definitely squashes that idea. There was a story out last week that the PGL is trying to form an alliance with the PGA Tour, which is essentially like. Uh, the XFL trying to form an alliance with the NFL saying, hey, you know what? Uh, you guys seem like you're doing pretty well. You know what? I We'll do you a favor and, and, and we'll join forces with you. Let's do that. They say, well, no, we don't need you. You don't have anything. Why would we do that? And so I, I look at it very much the same way where it's sort of a last gasp effort by the PGL to say, hey, you know what? Maybe we can gain some relevance in the marketplace, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that one's probably dead in the water, but who knows? I would have thought the SGL was dead in the water a couple of months ago. And now it looks like it's resurfaced and going to be an actual thing. So we'll see. Yeah, exactly. Um, as we approach the end of November here and we're winding down on, on the PJ tour, um, we're coming up on the match Bryson and Brooks uh, at the win in Vegas. Is this going to be one of the last times we see, you know, these match things that are they going to the well too much here? Or, you know, I, I feel that this had a, would have had a lot more traction midway through the summer and, and the Ryder cup kind of put a little water on the fire, if you will, in terms of them making up and having the hug at the press conference afterwards, or is this thing going to ramp up here in the next 10 to 12 days and, and it'll be a big draw for, uh, for the golfing world. 
So the one thing that I tell golf fans all the time is that this isn't about you. None of this is about you. Anything in golf, any decisions being made. Look, you are more than welcome to be a conscientious observer. You're more than welcome to spend your hard-earned money on the product. In fact, they encourage it. They love it. When that <laughs> happens. But none of the decisions that are being made in golf are based on the fan. They're being made based on sponsors, on TV rights holders, on other media entities, on the players themselves, other manufacturers in the industry. There are a lot of uh, there are a lot of different assets which take priority over the fans themselves. And so I look at it from that perspective of, and the reason I say this in this context is the fact that I think a lot of fans out there are going to look at this thing the day after Thanksgiving here in the U S uh, kind of a lazy day, sit on the couch, maybe, you know, do some shopping with the family, catch a movie and say, okay, later in the afternoon, yeah, Brooks and Bryce are playing. I'll catch it. You know, if, if I have time, if I don't have time, I'm not going to feel like I really missed anything. I just don't think that whether the fans watch or not is going to dictate whether or not we see more of these. As long as they make money, as long as TV is putting in for the for the rights and they're making money off the TV rights and they're making money off uh, anything else surrounding it, they're going to keep doing these things. Personally, I, I liked it when... We had Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in this thing. I liked it when uh, we had Charles Barkley in this thing. I, I, I'd want some entertainment. I want some, some unknown. Right now, quite frankly, okay, I, I don't know if Brooks or Bryson is going to win. I don't know how many birdies and bogeys each one is going to make, but I've seen them play golf before. I know what it looks like. It's not going to look a whole lot different other than it's going to be probably more boring than being able to cut to other players who are playing at the same time. I don't think either of them are going to be able to trash talk or talk trash a whole lot. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of personality behind the two. I I'm honestly more excited to listen to Phil Mickelson and Charles Barkley call shots than I am to, to watch the actual shots from Brooks and Bryson. But again, that, I don't think that's going to dictate whether or not we see more of these. I, I think that this is destined to continue this series. They're going to make money off of it somehow and they're going to keep going with it. And you know what? I, and I think that's fine. Look, it's another choice for the viewers out there. If you're a fan and you like it and you think it's cool and you say, hey, you know what? Every late November Friday, I get to watch some golf on TV between a couple of guys that I like watching. Great. I, you know, that's that's a platform that's open to you and, and, and available and you'll be able to watch. If you say, you know what? That is no interest for me. I don't want to watch it. That's okay, too. You don't have to. And so... You know, it just offers an opportunity. It offers a chance for some people to watch some golf on a day when there isn't any other golf being played. And it, it will cater to some people and it won't cater to others. And but that's fine. I have no problem with that. Yeah. You know what? I'm, you know, tend to agree with you that the cross promotion in terms of other sports and getting some of these other superstars from from other professional sports leagues might be the most entertaining going forward in terms of, uh, you know, drawing some of those fringe fans or, or people that, you know, opt not to watch it. So the, right. the idea, the idea I told Phil a couple of years ago, he seemed intrigued at least by this. And I still think this would be the best way to go. Now, granted at the time it was going to be Phil and tiger, but uh, that might have to be changed a little bit. Let's say it's Brooks and Bryson. Well, I, I would love to see whoever it is. Let's call it Brooks and Bryson for now, but, Brooks and Bryson on a team 
They're playing from the tips, of course. They're playing a best ball against two two lottery winners. You know, like go out on a search and find just two average Joe golfers. Put them up 100 yards closer off the tees. uh, Let them go out there on TV and they're playing for real money. So it's not Brooks and Bryson who are going to win money. It's not charities that are getting money, which is fine. I mean, I love, love the fact that there's some charitable component, but let two average Joe golfers, two recreational players go on TV for four hours against two of the game's best, play a scramble against those two playing a best ball, and they have a chance to win, I don't know, seven figures. Let them go out there and try to win a million dollars in this thing and try to beat these guys. I, I think that gives you the great unknown. That gives you somebody to root for. It gives you some source of entertainment. It gives you some suspense. It gives you some drama. I, I don't think we're getting that now. Again, it's probably not about us. It's not about the fans. It's about them. And it's about them making money off of this thing. And, uh, and, and look, that's fine. And we can be those observers. Like I talked about, if you choose to watch, uh, they will welcome you with open arms. And if you don't, that's okay too. But I, I think there's other ways to do this thing. It could be more fun. So that was the suggestion that I gave Phil a couple of years ago. And he at least humored me and said he liked the idea. Yeah, I, I like the idea too. It, it, right away, what came to my mind was, remember when they pulled that guy uh, from the crowd at the Ryder Cup? Yes. And they gave him the 15-footer, like immediately. And, and the video went viral, right? Like it was that thing of the Joe, the Joe, you know, the pros versus Joes, the Joes coming out of the crowd, 15-footer at the Ryder Cup to can you make the putt? Like, and people just loved it. So I, I tend to agree with you. I love the idea. Yeah, exactly. And and that's still something. I mean, that's more than five years ago, and you and I are still sitting here talking about it. Uh, that's the kind of thing that I think people would really uh, would really drive them towards uh, watching on a Friday afternoon, which is, you know, hey, I, these guys are just like, this could be me and my buddy at our local club, except, oh, my gosh, these guys are playing against two of the game's best players. They're on national TV. They're trying to win some money. They're nervous as heck. That, that would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, we got an event up here in Canada. It's called the RBC scramble and it's, uh, it's ended up, be, it's hosted at uh, Cabot, Cabot uh, cliffs and links. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you've had the opportunity to go up and play, but it's one I of the, not, no. yeah, it's phenomenal golf course. And it's, it's a nationwide thing and everybody tries to qualify from their own club and they go, you know, regional to, provincial to uh to the national level and and you could do something like that to try to you know a qualification process or whatever it may be to you know pull those two joes out to be able to play and 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 take on like you said brooks and bryson or whoever you know you chose to be the pros yeah uh, i think it's a great idea and again you want to get a sponsor involved and you want to make it hey you know there there's a uh, a car manufacturer that's a sponsor. Hon- Honda is a sponsor. If you buy a Honda, you're automatically put into a raffle for this thing, and two people are going to get picked out. You have to have a legit handicap, so it can't be yep. non-golfers. It can't be you know the 80-year-old grandmother who doesn't play golf, but you have to be a- an actual golfer. And if you get picked out and you have a handicap, you're in, and you have a chance to win good money against a couple of pros. Yeah. Jason, I'm going to flip you over to the to the PGA Tour, and and then we'll get on to uh, you know picking your brain on the on the betting side and gambling side because I, I know you love that as well. Who's uh, who do you have on your radar? And we've seen over the last you know three four weeks here that you know somebody like a Taylor Gooch who's you know really come on and and you know starting to pile up some some good finishes here. But 
as we turn over to the 2022 season and we're, we're winding down, like I said earlier, is there anybody in 2022 you know, on the PJ tour that you think's prime for a breakout season or somebody that you've got your eye on that, you know, you're going to keep your eye on, you know, as we hit January and February and, and we start to ramp up into some of the, the bigger events in those months. Yeah, that's a great question. I, I do a, a column. I've been doing this for probably 15 years called the leap. And I, I like putting it into these terms that these are players who can sort of make the jump into the next echelon because quite frankly, I mean, we could sit here and say, uh, Victor Hovland is a guy who just won last week, of course, at Mayakoba yep. going back, back to back. But back to Victor Hovland's yep. a guy that I, I think can make that leap towards, if not being a major champion, at least maybe being a top five player in the world. The guy's really, really talented. But uh, someone else might be a little bit lower. And, uh, okay, well, this guy's a young guy on the PGA Tour. I think he's going to win for the first time. So there are different leaps that different players can make. So it's always tough for me to just say, well, here's a guy that's going to be really good. I mean, I – I can pick guys, you know, Sam Burns. I'm surprising absolutely nobody who's listening to this right now by saying that I think Sam Burns is a really good player. I think he's an up-and-comer. Yeah, no kidding. He's 18th in the world. He's got two PGA Tour wins already. He's the favorite this week in Houston. I think he's going to be a contender at the Masters next year. I think he's going to be on the U.S. Ryder Cup team in two years. But again, I am not surprising anybody at all with this information. So, I mean, I, I can pick guys out. Let's say I'm going down the list right now. On the world ranking, uh, let me see. Uh, Taylor Gooch is the name that you mentioned. I, I do like him. He's uh, obviously a really good player. Robert McIntyre, who we haven't seen too much here in the U.S., but uh, once this guy gets it all together, he's going to be uh, – he'll be on the European Ryder Cup team in a couple of years. I think yep. he's ready. Aaron Wise, who's played very well in the fall. I think this kid is uh, is going to be a really good player. I, and when I say really good, I think his – his ceiling is he's going to be a top 20 player. I think he can get inside the top 20. Maybe not by this point next year, maybe in two years or three years, but he's going to be a very good player. Maverick McNeely, we've seen a lot of lately. I call him sort of the Charles Howell of the current generation in that I don't mean that as a backhanded compliment. I, Charles Howell is one of my favorite guys out there. Uh, the guy is just going to be a human ATM. He's going to be able to show up week in, week out, and we always talk about ceilings and floors in the betting industry, he's a guy that has a high floor every single week and that he he just shows up and plays well wherever yeah. he is. And so uh, he's a guy that's going to do very well for himself over the long haul. I mean, I can keep going down the list and picking out guys. But, yeah, there are, there are a lot of different players who I think can make that leap into the next echelon. I mean, guys who can win for the first time. Brandon Hagee is a guy that I look at and I say, that guy's going to win something this season. Might be an alternate field event. Might not be anything – huge but he's going to win at some point take that next step and maybe two three four years from now he's going to be a really good player out there on the pga tour yeah it's funny we had cameron morford on uh about a month ago on the on the cast to join us and he mentioned uh maverick mcneely in the same similar question that uh that we brought forth to him so um you're you're bang on with that on to the the betting side jason what do you look at? And, you know, I've been following along for a few weeks now with, with your podcast and, and your shows and all your content. Um, what do you look at when you're doing your prep work in terms of, you know, the golf course setup and, and how are you picking those players and give our listeners a little bit of insight as to how you go about making your final decision on who you like on a week to week basis out there on the PGA tour. Oh boy. Well, I, I'm looking at everything and trying not to look at too much. 
if that makes any sense whatsoever. Sean yeah, Foley. No, it does. It does. Uh, Sean Foley, the noted golf instructor, uh, uh, used to tell me what he tells his pupils is it needs to mean everything and it mean, needs to mean nothing at all. And what he means by that is, okay, Justin Rose is out there on the golf course. He's like, this, this needs to mean everything to you. But internally, you can't let it take over every – you need to just kind of let it go and just, hey, just go play golf. It needs to mean nothing. So there's a very delicate balance between the two. And when I say that about what I'm doing, I mean it by, you know, I, I look at everything. So, you know, I'm thinking this week, for instance, I know we'll talk some – Houston open stuff here in a minute, but this week I'm looking at, I I like strokes gained off the tee. I think guys who hit it long and hit it pretty straight are going to have an advantage this week. We only have one year of Memorial park to look back on, but you look at the leaderboard last year and there are a lot of guys who drive the ball really well, who are up there on that leaderboard. So I I take that into account, of course, but what I don't want to do is just get bogged down by all the numbers. There are so many numbers out there now. And I see so many people in the, the golf betting industry who simply look at the numbers. They, they look at, okay, this course does this, and this guy has these numbers. So he's a course fit, and I'm betting him. You know, I, I like to look at some momentum. I like to look at, I call it strokes gain motivation. I think there are players this time of year who are hungry to go out and play well that maybe haven't peaked so far in 2021. There are other guys who just kind of out there just because what else are they going to do? They don't want to stay home for a week and they'll, they'll go play and try to put something together to, you know, gain some momentum, but it doesn't really mean that much to them yet. They're waiting to gain, gain their momentum early next year. And so I think you have to, you have to balance looking at the models, looking at the numbers, looking at all the analytics and the strokes gain data and everything that we have available to us. But you also have to kind of think with your head a little bit too, as far as, how I pick guys and when I pick them, you know, it's, it's a little tough for me because what I do, I, I start on Sunday afternoon. Usually when I'm watching the back nine of that week's tournament, I I start sort of scratching out some notes and guys that I like and why I might like them for the coming week. And then my Monday morning, I'm off and running. And what happens is at least my schedule is sort of peel back the curtain a little bit. I've got to have in my column that's anywhere from, 2,500 to 3,000 words on a given week. I've got to have that written by late morning on Monday. I've got to have that filed to the action network. And then I've got to do a video for the PGA tour that I shoot. And I try to, I try to shoot that video before I do my radio show at two o'clock. And then I've got the radio show. And then we start making picks for the gimme, which airs on Wednesday through the action network and uh, PGA tour, uh, 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 sponsors that as well. And so uh, there's just, it's kind of a snowball effect, but in a sense, I sort of get stuck a little bit. It doesn't mean I can't change some picks. doesn't mean I can't add a guy to the card, but I've really got to be on my toes on a Monday morning because uh, the guys that I pick on Monday morning are pretty much the guys I'm going to be stuck with come Sunday afternoon. So it makes it a little bit tougher. I think Uh, I just don't have the time to sit around like most betters do and say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to read everything. I'm going to listen to everything. I'm going to dive into the stats. And then Wednesday night, I'll sit around and I'll make my bets. I, I've got to do it pretty early and I've got to, uh, I've got to be on top of that stuff. So uh, hopefully that answer is kind of how I, how I go about it, but it, it definitely isn't easy. It is really, really hard to do this stuff. No, there's no, no doubt about that. Um, 
in terms of uh, this week at Houston, uh, you know, I've seen your article and everything that you've published. So we'll, we'll, we'll breeze by that. But in terms of uh, futures, is there anything out there um, or is that something that you tend to look at in terms of, you know, who do you like for a major? Uh, you know, I was just looking off the board and Tigers 50 to one to win, <laughs> win the masters. Right. And yeah, and I'll, Patrick I'll book that 30, one for 30 you. to one uh, to win the U S opens. Or is that just uh, kind of a pipe dream for, for yourself and most, most of us, Joe blows that try to I, win a few bucks. First of all, I will book that tiger bet. If you want to take him at 50 to one to, to win the masters, you just, you name the number that you want to put on that and I'll, I'll book it for you. I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> action. So, um, not that I ever doubt tiger, but I, I might doubt him for the 2022 masters. That might be a little soon. Uh, no. So uh, look, I, I think it's a great, if, if you're a sharp player and you're looking for what you think are bad numbers in the marketplace, you think there's a guy who, you know what, he's 150 to one right now to win next year's U S open. He would be a good U S open type of player. He's just been down for a little bit, but I expect him to play well over the next six months and get into the field. And if he does, I think he has a chance at, uh, at Brookline that, that given venue. Yeah, I no, I, I think it's a, it's a nice way of doing it myself. I, I could probably write about him more. I probably don't spend much time looking at futures plays, but it's more because personally, I don't have the patience. I mean, I'm not betting on teams to win the Super Bowl right now. I'm not betting on somebody to win next next year's World Series. So I, I, I just personally am like, hey, I'm, you know, what's going on tonight? Okay, there's a couple NBA games. Let's bet them. All right, there's hockey tonight. Let's bet some hockey. And then tomorrow comes and, all right, what can we bet on tomorrow? And I, I'm just, I don't know that I'm, I'm the type of better that personally I'm looking forward as much, but no, absolutely. If you're sharp and, and you don't mind having that ticket sitting in your account for the next six, eight, 10 months, and you, you know, you just kind of want to leave it there and see how it goes. I have absolutely zero problem with that. I mean, I'm thinking ahead to open championship next year at the old course at St. Andrews. St. Andrews. Yeah. You can find a guy. Tommy Fleetwood is a guy who, Hasn't played his best golf lately. I don't know exactly what his number is next year. He's always a little bit lower at the open than he is the other majors. But if you can find Tommy Fleetwood at a at 50 to one, 60 to one to win at St. Andrews, and then he kind of finds his game. And by the time July rolls around next year, he's more like 25 or 30 to one. So you you're getting a bargain. I think that's a good way of doing it. What I, what I tell people all the time when they're trying to figure out bets, I say it's no different than going to the mall going to the local shopping plaza and trying to find a discount. And so you don't just walk into a store, see something you like and go, I don't care what the price is. I'm buying this right now. You kind of walk around and say, okay, you know, okay. It costs this much here. See how much it is somewhere else. Okay. I think this is a good investment. I think it's going to appreciate in value. These are all investments too. Remember, you know, if you're, if you're buying a stock, if you want to buy stock, buy Apple stock, you don't just say, you know what? I just want to buy it. I don't know if it's going to go up or down. I just want to own it. <laughs> yeah, it's, exactly. It's the same token, you don't just say, you know what? I like Patrick Cantley. I, I want tickets on him for all the majors next year. I, I don't care if he's going to win them or not. I just, I like him and I want to have him. You're, you're making an investment. And so I, I think that you have to use your, your time and your money wisely, obviously, and, and make a smart investment. But sure, with futures, I think there's, there's a way to find, um, a spot in the marketplace where you can find a little differentiation and uh, you can pick a guy that said, 
you know, I get asked by people all the time. I'll, I'll get asked tomorrow. I'm sure. Who do you, who do you like for the masters next year? And my reply to that question is always, uh, what's the weather going to be like? Who's in good form? Yeah. How's the course playing? And so once you ask those questions, someone's like, well, I don't know yet. Well, how am I supposed to handicap which players I like if I don't have all the information? So in a sense, while you can find a good number on some players, I think you're missing some puzzle pieces as well. So it's really, really difficult. Doesn't mean it can't be done, but I, I certainly wouldn't bet guys, you know, don't go out there if you're doing it. My advice is don't go betting John Rahm and Colin Morikawa to win the Masters next year because, quite frankly, the number they're at now is probably going to be something close to the number they're at six months from now anyway, so you might as well wait. Uh, yeah. But if you see a guy, um, I know one of our guys wrote something the other day on Harris English being 90-1. to 1. If you think Harris English is a guy that is going to be 40-1 to 1 by the time April rolls around next year, why not take a shot on him and, and see how he plays over the next six months? And that might be a very good bet. Yeah, there's, there's no doubt. Well, Jason, you've been uh, very generous with your time. I've got one more question before I let you go here. Huh. How's, how's your golf game doing? Oh, it's not bad. I'm doing a little handicap management right now. We've got the member <laughs> guests coming up next week. So, um, you know, trying not to go too low, but it's okay. It's, you know, I, I think what am I playing to it usually hovers between a, a five and a seven. So I'm probably right in the middle of where I am, which is, it's fine. I, I'm not going to get any better. I'm probably not going to get too much worse. It is what it is. And I'm okay with it. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm in that, in the same boat, my friend. So <laughs> Jason, um, let our listeners know one more time where we can, uh, where we can find all your great content. I want them to check it out. So let us know uh, and we'll let you go here. You can read all my stuff on the Action Network, the Action Network app, and actionnetwork.com on the Golf Bet platform. Hear my show on SiriusXM PGA Tour Radio, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, 2 to 4 p.m. And I don't know. There's probably some other stuff, too. I can't remember it all. Awesome. <laughs> well, Jason, uh, that was awesome. Let's, uh, let's stay in touch, and uh, hopefully we'll connect again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. What a great chat. Easy, laid-back guy fits right in here on triple g so a little uh insight into how to place your shekels down in the world of golf we've been telling you here for weeks that there's money to be made jason provided a little insight on to how what he looks at you guys and girls know uh what we look at here on triple g and how we like to do um our betting side on the golf world and uh interesting to about the match a couple cool ideas there and just uh, what he feels these rule changes may or may not bring. I have to agree with him. I think uh, early on you may see a, a few guys um, get a little shaken up or, or have to adjust their routines and, and how they go about preparing for things. But uh, once we settle in, these are the best players in the world. Um, I don't think uh, it's going to make too much of a difference in terms of performance uh, over a year-long span and into the future on the uh, on the PGA Tour. So if you are looking for those rule changes, they are on PGAtour.com. You can uh, refer. There's not just the green books. There's a couple other things in there as well that can uh, take effect. And super excited to see what does come about this Live Golf Investments uh, Tour with Greg Norman uh, kind of spearheading it and, and is the, you know, the title name, if you will. So excited about that as well, and we'll we'll follow along with that. But let's get into our golf breakdown here, and uh, we will start 
want to start with a shout out to um, a couple Canadians, but one in one in particular, and that's Alvin Choi. Uh, tough final round, plus six in the final round. He was one under going in, well within the Corn Ferry Tour full status, um, you know, qualification process, and uh, tough final round, a plus six, one of the worst rounds he's had, but a pure class act in terms of how he handled it. Uh, put a statement out on in social media. And uh, always taking the positive side of things. And he'll have some conditional status on there. And hopefully he can play well and, and gain um, you know full status eventually. And, and then get out to the PGA Tour, which I know is uh, was his dream as well. And then um, we also want to shout out Mike Vasecki. You might recognize that name. That was the Justin Thomas um, gentleman who uh, you know was handed the check last year from... Uh, from Justin Thomas in terms of living out of his car and his parents uh, spending um, pretty much every penny they had to try to get him out onto the tour. Um, He finished uh, with conditional status as well. Tough final round for him, a couple over in that final round. So not that he was inside of that cut line going into that final round, but definitely affects uh, what event he's going there. But a step in the right direction for Mike Vesecki Vesecki and Ash Batia, the uh, 19-year-old phenom, um, same thing, finished in the mid-90s on the final qualification for that Corn Ferry Tour, so he will have some um, status out there, and I'm sure he'll get a sponsor's exemption in a one or two events on the PGA Tour, so he'll look to continue to try to elevate his status and move forward, but tons of time for the kid and um, you know, continue to grow his game at those lower levels, and eventually he will find himself out onto the PGA Tour. Absolutely no doubt about that. In terms of the world of golf and what's happening on the Champions Tour, European Tour, and LPGA Tour, we'll start with the, the, uh, the ladies and the European Tour. They are in the preceding event to their Tour Championship. So the ladies are at uh, the Pelican Championship in Florida. And the European Tour is over in Dubai to finish out their race to Dubai at the Dubai Championship. Strong, solid field for them. Not some of the big, big major names over there yet, but uh, the European Tour is finishing out their season. The ladies will finish out, and we'll dive more into those Tour Championships next week as the PGA Tour kind of winds down. And the Seniors Tour, the Champions Tour, finishes up this week, and we're down to a four-man race pretty much in that uh, Champions Tour and between Bernard Longer, Jimmy Furyk, Miguel Angel Jimenez, and the uh, Big Easy Ernie Els are the four that can win uh, the race to the Charles Schwab Cup at the Charles Schwab Championship, or um, in quota- air quotations, their tour championship. I've been saying for a few weeks here now that this is Bernard Longer's uh, race to lose, and once again, it is again. Um, he is in prime position, and listen, if if he gets if Bernard Longer gets in the top ten, this is going to be a tough road to hoe for any of those the aforementioned three guys that I just mentioned there. If he's inside the top eight or top six, it's pretty much lights out. So a strong finish for Bernard Longer here at this event. And this thing is all but wrapped up. And he'll be, uh, I believe, a sixth or seventh um, Charles Schwab Cup. I believe this will be a seventh, actually, um, if memory serves me right. But for the other three guys, uh, Jimmy Furyk, uh, Miguel Angel Jimenez, and Ernie Els, listen, um, Furyk's got the the most opportunity to go ahead and, and try to win this thing and steal it out of the hands of, of Bernie Longer. 
he can he can win this thing if he gets a top two or top three and longer finishes outside of the top eight or in a three-way tie at the eighth spot. So um, he doesn't necessarily have to win Jimmy Furyk. If he does win, then uh, Bernard Longer's got to be inside that top six to match him. But pretty much if, uh, or sorry, inside the top three, I believe, to match him. So pretty much if Furyk wins, he's going to take this thing down uh, this week. If Furyk is inside those top three, like I said, Longer can't be inside the top eight, and he can't have Jimenez or Els win it, um, and Furyk would be your winner. In terms of the other two, Jimenez and Els, they've got a longer longer road ahead of them. They absolutely have to win. Hands down, if they want to win this thing, they got to win this week. And then they would need Longer, um, for Jimenez, Longer outside of the top six, and Furyk outside of the top two. And then Els would need Longer outside of the top seven. Um, doesn't matter so much for him on the Furyk side of things. So a tough road for those bottom two guys, really down to a two-man race uh, in my mind between Furyk and Longer. And I just think, you know, Bernard Longer's been clutch his whole career. He's steady, Eddie, solid as a rock. Um, I think he's going to get inside that top 10 and really force the hand of Furyk and Jimenez and Els. And let's face it, golf's hard enough as it is. And it's extra tough when you know you have to win or you know you have to shoot a certain score. So for those guys going in, it's going to be a, a tough mindset for them. Um, I could see Furyk doing it, but um, knowing that, you know, hey, if I can just get myself up there and, and play steady and see where Bernard kind of um, gets to, then I've got a shot. But um, knowing that in terms of him and SNLs that you've got to go in and win the event, that's a real tough spot to be in. So, I, I highly doubt one of those two will get it. Two-man race. I see Bernard uh, being able to pull this thing out. To the PGA Tour, um, to close out here before we send you off to break. Uh, good solid picks last week. We just didn't have a great weekend. Uh, Dutch was back in the fold there as he had Tony Finau, Tyrrell Hatton, and Keith Mitchell. And uh, tough weekend for, for all of our picks. Um, five out of our six guys made the cut. And, you know, Hatton, 72, 67. So he had a, a, or sorry, 67, 72. So he had a 72 in that final round, uh, 70 in the final round for Finau, 71 for Damon, and 71 for Mitchell. So not one of those four guys that we had um, broke 70 in the final round. Finau was 70, 70 on the weekend. Damon, 69, 71. And the same for Keith Mitchell. So, um, you know, in the 140s, for uh, three out of those um, four guys and a 139 on the weekend for Hatton. It's just not good enough. You need to be, need to be in the mid-130s, low-130s, if you're going to you know get into the top five, top ten, and, and go ahead and win an event out there on the PGA Tour. You know If you're only shooting two, three, four under on the weekend, uh, you're going to get bypassed, and it did. And it ended up uh, Hatton in, in T40, Finau and Damon at T45, and Mitchell at T56. So... It shaped up nicely for us on uh, on Thursday, Friday. Uh, we were happy with our picks after uh, after uh, Thursday. Five picks inside the top 30. But uh, like I said, tough weekend. The only one we were real close and we almost snuck in there. Missed out by two shots. Final round 65 by the hometown boy or the home country boy and Abraham Answer. Um, you know, would have probably got us our, our, our uh, shekels back in terms of um, value. But uh, finished out T7. Always up there in that event at Mayakoba, so um, we just missed out on that. But um, talking with Jason Sobel, Sobel, sorry, 
uh, I like our picks. And uh, you're going to be able to check out. We'll post a link up to his picks coming up here for the Houston Open as we are on a municipal golf course, uh, 7,400 yards, par 70. So uh, it'll be real interesting. I love when the PGA Tour gets on these muni golf courses, Beth Page Black and Torrey Pines and some of the courses that you can actually step foot on as a, as a Joe Blow. But let's get into our picks. Make sure you're following us along. We put them out Wednesday night, Thursday morning for our picks. Dutch is in Vegas right now, so we're going to try to get some picks over from him. We're going to share Jason Sobel's picks. But here is Ginger's picks for the Houston Open this week. Started from the bottom now, we hear, and we're starting deep in the bottom. Long shot of the week at 150 to 1. Listen, he was T12 at the Bermuda. Played solid last week, missed the cup by one shot at the Mayakoba, 69 70. So two solid rounds, just missed getting into the weekend. 2019, he's T28 in this event. 2015 on this golf course, or sorry, 2020 on this golf course, because we know we can only go back uh, one year on this track. He was T15, so he can play. Like Jason said, he can move it a little bit off the tee. He's a good win player. Being a, in the a Scotsman and being in Texas, and that is Russell Knox as my long shot at 150 to one. I really like this pick. My rock steady pick at 40 to 1, and I just laughed when he mentioned it. Cameron Morfitt mentioned it earlier, uh, about a month ago on our podcast. Jason mentioned it tonight earlier on the show. Maverick McNeely, this guy's a top 10 machine. He was T11 at Mayakoba in 2019 in this event. He was T17. 2020 on this golf course, he was T20, 40 to 1. Maverick McNeely, I'm taking as my rock steady pick of the week. And my big gun, you mentioned it. Got to be able to move it off the tee. And uh, recent form, hey, he was fourth at Mayakoba in this event. 2019, he was T28. Last year on this course, T32. So he can play the track a little bit. He's got some good form. He's a big gun. He's looking to, uh, you know, bounce back after another, or not bounce back, but, you know, add and stack another good year on after a good season last year on the PGA Tour, making that American Ryder Cup team. He wants to get back on that team again and get off to a quick start. And then as Scotty too, hottie, my man, Scotty Scheffler at 18-1. to 1. So those are my picks. Scotty Scheffler, 18-1. to 1. Maverick McNeely, 40-1 to 1 is my rock steady. My long shot is big, big long shot. Russell Knox at 150-1. to 1. Make sure you check out Jason's picks as well. Dutch will have his in there as well on Thursday morning on all of the social media fronts. Make sure you're following us along Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and soon to be our YouTube channel at Triple G. This is Ginger's Gridiron and Golf Podcast. We'll catch you on the flip side on the break, and we will cover a little week nine and week 10 in NFL football. Time to throw out the trash. Welcome to Ginger's Garbage. Here comes the Here comes the Here comes the Y'all don't really want it like Here comes the Here comes the All right folks, welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from Triple G. And we've been going strong. We are nine weeks through here in the NFL season, and we've been hammering out the football content 
Decided to flip it up here this week and uh, most likely next week get a little bit more golf content going and flowing here. So we are going to go at this rapid fire on uh, week nine. Listen, the low-hanging fruit, what we learned, the low-hanging fruit, it's easy to say. Just like steaming Willie Beeman and any given Sunday, we all learned that, right? Four division leaders uh, fall to 500 teams or less. You're looking at the Raiders, Denver, uh, or sure, Dallas losing to Denver, Buffalo losing to Jacksonville. I know it's embarrassing, but it is what it is. It's any given Sunday, and, and you know it's it's easy to uh, to pick that low hanging fruit. But what I learned in Week Nine in NFL football is that this is going to be an absolute wild finish in the AFC, folks, and I'm super excited for it. We have eleven. That's correct. I didn't miss say that. We have 11 teams in the AFC right now going into week 10 with five or more wins. Two of which, Baltimore and Tennessee, have six and seven wins respectively. This is going to be a boat race. And there are going to be some real good teams that uh, that don't make the playoffs. Remember, there's only seven spots. Four division winners automatically buy in. Only one team gets a bye. So right now that, you know, the two lead dogs in terms of um, Tennessee and Baltimore have that leading edge. But I wouldn't count out Buffalo just yet in terms of possibly coming up and grabbing that one seed. Uh, I don't see anybody from the West being able to do it just because of how tight that's going to be in that race. You know, the Chiefs are right there. Denver's right there. The Chargers are right there. So those, that division is going to bang each other up and beat each other up. And it's the same with the North, and, and that's why I give Buffalo a little bit of an edge there. But they got New England now. Don't count out Bill Belichick and, and Mac Jones, the dirtiest player in the game, um, just yet. So, But I do give that edge to Buffalo. Tennessee, let's see how they do. Matt Stafford practically handed them the victory on Sunday night. So that will be interesting. But... Uh, it's going to be a wild race. And like I said to you guys, I don't want to say I told you so yet, but go back and listen to the previous podcast. What did I tell you about the NFC West? And what did I say the two best divisions were going to be in NFL football? The AFC West and the AFC North. And that is holding true right now. You look at it, all all the teams in the West have five-plus wins, or five wins, sorry, shall I say. And um, it's the same in the North. Those are the two best divisions in football, both coming out of the AFC, um, just like I thought. And, you know, Baltimore's in for a tough race. They've got Pittsburgh, you know, they got Detroit this week, so they're going to probably get to 6-3. and three. And it's going to be an absolute battle. And there's going to be, just like what happened to Cincinnati, um, within two weeks you went from first in the AFC to 10th. Um, don't be surprised if that happens to the Titans, especially if they... They lose a game or two that they weren't expecting to. If the you know Jaguars beat the Bills type of situation happens to Tennessee and they drop a couple in a row, um, you know they're still going to most likely be that division leader for the foreseeable future here, the next five or six weeks, um, because the Colts still got a long way to go. But um, hey, it's going to be a wild race down these last nine weeks, and I am super excited for it. And don't count out those Colts yet. We talked about it with uh, Donnie Wrightside Seymour way back when, when he talked about the team win total for the Col- Colts. 
They're going to start off slow, but they'll eventually get there because that schedule opens up for them, and it's opening up. Uh, the key game for them will be two weeks from now. I think they handle their business this week against Jacksonville, but that Buffalo game will be big. Uh, going in, if they're 5-5, five and five, Buffalo's probably going to be 6-3 and three if they can handle their business against the Jets. Huge game for the Colts. They will not be able to afford to fall to 5-6. and six. You know, with six games to go, you're going to have to get to, like I said, 10 wins in the AFC here to make the playoffs. That means you got to rip a 5-1 and one, uh, stretch in the last six games with some divisional games in there. might be a little too tough. So that could be the swing game for the Colts uh, coming to Buffalo there. So that'll be an interesting one to watch for two weeks if both teams can handle their business this week and Week 10. Before we get over to Week 10, I've got a ginger's garbage that I want to put out there. And it is an obvious one, but it is one that needs to be said. We've been talking all season long about the refereeing and the penalty calls and the taunting calls and all this stuff. And Monday Night Football was an absolute shit show debacle. 12 penalties to four. Pittsburgh, uh, sorry, Chicago comparatively to Pittsburgh, 115 yards to 30. And Tony Corrente, you are this week's Ginger's Garbage. What an absolute joke you and your crew are, and specifically what an absolute joke you are. To do what you did, and I'm sure all of our listeners seen it, if you haven't had the opportunity, all you got to do is type in Tony Corrente on Twitter or on YouTube, and the video is there for you. To hip check the player as you are about to throw the flag just doesn't look good. Whether the flag was thrown or not thrown for that hip check. And I truly believe that it wasn't. I, I, I He had his hand on the flag before that all went down. It's the look of that and, and just the professionalism that I'm going to on purposely back up into the player because what he's doing disgusts you or you don't like it. It's just an absolute joke. There's no other way around it. The way you called that game was an absolute joke. You cost the Bears a good opportunity to win that football game. Now, granted, did the Bears need to line up offsides four times? Robert Quinn, what the hell are you doing? No, but there was a few big calls earlier in the game in terms of um, roughing the passer calls on Big Ben and calls that Justin Fields didn't get. But uh, absolute joke, Tony Corrente and your crew, you are this week's Ginger's Garbage. Now, let's get to Week 10 and to end off this week's episode. And it's a big week. Um, you know, there's there's always each week that you look at the NFL schedule and what's what's coming upon us on a week-to-week basis, there's always those four or five big games that you're going to see. But now we're at the point here, week 10, week 11, week 12, that there's a lot of games that teams are playing for their seasons, right? Like, like we talked about with those Colts, four and five. they Big favorite at home against the Jags, cannot afford to lose that football game. That's a big game for them, playing for their season. The Minnesota Vikings. Lose another tough one to Baltimore, blowing a 10-point lead um, at 3-5 and five on the road at the Chargers. Cannot afford to lose that game and fall to 3-6. and six. The Carolina Panthers play a stinker against the uh, New England Patriots and are in a tough spot after a 3-0 and start. You know, you've lost uh, five out of your last six on the road at 8-1 Arizona, whether it's Colt McCoy or... Uh, Kyler Murray doesn't seem to matter whether Hopkins is in or out. The Cardinals squad, J.J. Watt goes down. They continue to roll. Could be that type of season for the Cardinals. 8-1 and one 
But the Carolina Panthers gotta find a way to to stop the bleeding, get back to five and five. Listen, four and four. Atlanta is in that last wild card spot. That seventh spot in the NFC is wide open here. So huge game for Carolina, playing for their season, can't afford to fall to four and six. Seattle, don't look now, but Russell Wilson's coming back. They're getting healthier. Green Bay may or may not have Rodgers. That's a whole other shenanigans and a, and another thing that just drives me insane is how the NFL handled that fourteen thousand dollar fine. Get the fuck off me! Come on, NFL, absolute joke, absolute joke. Like why even waste his time? That's a drop in the bucket, and that. And if I'm the Tennessee Titans, I'm pissed after what they did to the Titans last year with with their COVID outbreak and the the games that they had to delay, and what they lost and what they had to pay. And now you're going to roll out a $14,000 fine for A-Rod 12? Get off me, NFL. Absolutely unbelievable. But anyways, back. That's another tangent for another day and another time. But Brussels back. 3-5, and five, another team in that, that NFC West with the two big, you know, you got the Cardinals and the Rams kind of sitting atop there. If you want an opportunity to fight out and, and go play one of those teams on wildcard weekend, you cannot afford to fall to 3-6. and six against those Green Bay Packers. Rodgers could be rusty. Love could still be in the in the game, possibly. We don't know. Rodgers is playing all the shenanigans about checking his oxygen levels and doing yoga and this and that. He's making an absolute fucking mockery of this league right now, and it, it's just absolute bullshit in my mind. But huge game for the Seattle Seahawks there. Sorry, I had to uh, calm myself down there. And the last huge game, another team that's playing for their season is San Fran, same division, 3-5. and five. Uh, on the road against the Rams, gotta find a way to win that game and within the division. Can't afford to fall to three and six. But the big games on the slate, I circled uh, four of them myself: Saints and Titans. The game line's forty-four and a half. Titans are uh, three-point favorites, even without Derrick Henry. Saints lose a tough one after a slow start against the Falcons. They fall to five and three. Uh, this is a big game here for. Um, this squad and the Saints, as they've got to continue to build wins. They've got a big matchup coming up in a couple weeks here on uh, Thanksgiving, Thursday night, at home to the Buffalo Bills. So a real interesting game and a real one to watch. Will Tennessee continue to roll with this defense? Uh, Danico Autry and uh, Harold, Harold Landry absolutely getting after the passer. Wait until Bud Dupree finds his form. Kevin Bayard with even more, you know, always making game-changing plays and interceptions. So um, I'm interested to uh, to see, and I'm interested to see see how Sean Payton rebounds. A little bit of a dis- disappointing perfor- performance for his team and specifically his offense there. Will he go back to Taysom Hill or will we see more of that? Atlanta and the Cowboys. Cowboys lay an absolute stinker dud down but still end up nine points favorites here. I really like Atlanta at that number. Matt Ryan's playing good ball the last four or five weeks. Uh, possibly, in my mind, probably top five in the NFL in terms of how Matt Ryan's playing. Whether Calvin Ridley's in or out of the lineup, he's finding a way to get the ball to uh, to Kyle Pitts. Russell Gage and some of these other playmakers, Cordello Patterson, Patterson, are able to make plays for him. They're finding enough offense. The defense is starting to come around a little bit, so I like what Atlanta's doing. They're hanging around in 4-4. Four and four. I like them at plus 9 against the Cowboys. I don't think the Cowboys are playing their best ball right now. 
and Cleveland and New England. Huge game. This is the big one for me. Both teams five and five and four. Forty-five and a half is the game line number, and the Pats are a point and a half favorite. So not your traditional home three-point favorite against the Browns. Uh, the Browns may or may not be without Nick Chubb. He is double vax, so he did test positive for COVID nineteen today on the Tuesday. But he has an opportunity to still make that game because of the double vaccination. So that will be something big to follow along. But it uh, doesn't seem to matter with this offensive line at Cleveland. Uh, Dearness Johnson walked in a couple weeks ago on Thursday night and busted off for a buck twenty-five and some. So um, might not matter. But that Patriots front seven and defense has been pretty solid all season long. So I think Cleveland's going to need their full variety of players um, to be able to get through these New England Patriots who seem to be playing really well. Could you could really use Cleveland to win that game as a Bills fan here. And the last but not least. Sunday night football in Las Vegas, huge game for Vegas. Um, you know, Damon Arnett's uh, cut this week, the Gruden mess, uh, the Henry Ruggs mess. Uh, this could this could really crumble fast here for the Raiders if they they lose this game. Two and a half point favorites um, at home to the Chiefs on Sunday night football to fi- fall to five and four. Chiefs get to six and four. Um, Broncos got an easier game. <clears throat> they could find themselves in the basement. And, you know, Chargers handle business. They could find themselves all of a sudden from first to worst in that West. And then it's tough sledding all the way back up with everything that's happened. And I have to think that this might be the end for the Raiders here. It, it just, what a debacle of a season. What a tough break. I feel bad for Mike Mayock and, and that franchise right now. Just can't find to uh, find the, you know, the right formula and the right mix. So, and it could end up costing them in the next couple of years here. But those are the big games. Those are your game lines. Always follow us along on Saturday mornings for our picks. Six Saturdays. Um, 500 as always we were. So we're still working. We're going to work you all the way through the end of the season and into the playoffs. But folks, hope you enjoyed a little more golf content this week with amazing guest Jason Sobel. We've got some more golf guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Hope you enjoyed the Triple G podcast. Enjoy some Week 10 10 NFL football. It's going to be a wild and crazy week like always. Hope your fantasies and survivors are still alive and doing well. And we'll catch you next week.